0: Welcome back, everybody, to a supplementary episode of the Inking Out Loud podcast. Today, Drew and I are here. We're recording much earlier in the day than we normally do. Oh well, not much earlier in the day, but I should say earlier in the week, actually. Um, we're yeah. recording this on a Thursday at 3 p.m. And um, what we're going to be covering today, since we have just started our Wheel of Time read-through, we're going to be covering the short story, The Strike at Sheol Ghoul. So yeah, I, like as I said, I'm your host Rob Santos. I'm joined by Drew McCaffrey. I probably sound a little sick because I just rolled out of bed five minutes ago, but uh, I'm feeling pretty stoked. How about you, dude?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I, I've been wanting to talk about this one for a little while. You know, it's it's been years since I've read this. It's funny, you know, because you, you said it was like a short story, and and like it, it is in a way, but it's also like more of an in-world history. You know, it's it's not yes. something where we're we're dealing with like character arcs and things like that. We don't have a a plot so much as this is just a you know, like a kind of annotated fragment of a history from the breaking of the world, and it's cool because of that though, because it's a you know it's a different style, kind of gives us a, a glimpse at what Robert Jordan can do when he when he sort of branches out. Um, and, uh, and it gives us some, some new information. It gives us a Lots little bit of, of a glimpse into yeah, the uh, Age of Legends and uh, introduces kind of a, a pretty major character from back then that, uh, as far as I can remember, is not even mentioned at all in the main Wheel of Time. I don't think she ever was. Yeah. I think this is the only time we actually get her name. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so... You know, looking at this as like the historical document that it is, um, I, I was personally fascinated by the inclusion of like the annotations, the endnotes, um, where we have essentially an in world scholar in uh, Chachin, in Kandor. I'm going to look up her name uh, Joril Mondavin, royal historian to the court of Her Most Illuminated Majesty, mm-hmm. Atheniel Kirukan Matarasu. Matarasu, uh, I love that name yeah (laughs) Um, yeah so like we we get a kind of contemporary scholarly opinion on these fragmentary histories and it's cool because a lot of these like a lot of the knowledge brought in here works for us as informed readers but when you take it in the context of the world that this is in a lot of people would have no idea about any of this stuff like you know we you know currently right now we're midway through the great hunt in our you know reread series for yeah as of the, the podcast of today, yeah. here yeah and especially in these <clears throat> early books we hear things um uh you know in kyrian and and or and places like that where they're talking about the prophecies, and they're talking about the dragon, and, you know, there are points where people are like, yeah, not a whole lot of people know about the prophecies of the dragon, and if they know about the dragon reborn and these prophecies, they might assume that the dragon's supposed to fight on the side of the Dark One. Yeah, you know, we because, just read that
0: very recently. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah it was uh, Tom says that in ah, in The Great Hunt. That's right, um, when Rand finds when, him. Yeah, when Rand asks about the prophecies. You yes. know? And so the endnotes here in strike at shale ghoul are from somebody much more learned somebody who knows the prophecies who knows the role the dragon is supposed to play and because of that we get the same kind of speculation that us readers naturally gravitate toward with something like the strike at shale ghoul you know where you know the they talk about the two plans in the age of legends for dealing with the dark one you know we have loose theron's plan with the seals and then we have pose's plan with the uh the choiden call and you know it's like this scholar just like us readers wonders like would that have worked like what would have happened had loose theron's original plan happened what like would both sides of the power been tainted would both have been protected because it was done together you know like it's it's cool to to see like an in-world uh stand-in for us as like theory crafting readers
0: yeah no i like taking for example uh just speculation as to what would have happened back then had you know the men and the women gotten over their respective issues and actually, you know, continued to work together against the Dark One, of all things, you know. If that had happened, I still don't think it would have gone very well if they had attempted to lose Theron's original, you know, plan with the SEALs, men and women working together, seven focus points to shore up the boar. But, I, st- I mean, you have obviously spoilers for the rest of the series, of course, they still wouldn't have had access to the true power. So, yeah. I, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm fairly certain that it, it would have actually worked out even worse i think that would have spelled the end of mankind because i the only other direction i could see that going is that of course as uh the author of this particular you know speculative uh history you know it might have tainted both halves Mm -hmm. and you would have had insane men and insane women breaking the world at the same time i could not have seen that going anywhere else it might have but I, i just i i can't see for the love of me where else it would have gone you know
1: yeah, I, I agree with you. I do think that had Luce Theron's original plan gone through, uh, both halves would have been tainted and yeah. the world would have ended. <laughs> and this is something I didn't consider
0: because, you know, the last time I, I read The Strike at Shale Gull was well before Memory of Light was released and we actually got that particular detail about the true power. So I was just, you know, in my... Angsty, edgy teenage self. I was like, "What the hell was wrong with these women? They don't. They're not on the <laughs> side of the dragon. They're not following the light. They're being super, super, you know, arrogant. It's like Egwene all over again, or at least who Egwene, <laughs> you know, uh, is mirroring now." But yep. you know, looking at it with more information, with more complete information, seeing the bigger picture, I think it's uh, it's just I don't know. I loved I loved how much world building robert jordan managed to do in such a short amount of time in this fictional piece i mean it was it was awesome like beginning to end it was gold all the way through because there was just so much mystery that shrouds uh, shrouds shrouds i almost (laughs) said surrounded (laughs) you know the age of legends and it was just i don't know it was pretty chilling i guess i'll use the word chilling or
1: surreal to read it all the way through yeah it was exciting for me you know the the first time i read this any little detail about the, the tactics of the war mm. and, and the, the ebb and flow of the conflict, and how you know they were plans, uh, you know the, to make the choice call, and, and getting those details about how they couldn't make the access to on rail yeah. in the same location, yeah, I was, resonances. Yes, and, I was
0: just gonna say that.
1: Good. Yeah, it, it was it was just exciting for me to get this deep lore and. Yeah. Uh, and I i can't remember when i read the strike at shale Ghoul the first time it must have been i'm pretty sure for me it was like 2010 2011 like it was late
0: okay in my in it, my might have been right before memory of light honestly it was oh wow it was yeah it was
1: late yeah for i i know least. i read it before any of the brandon books if Damn. i had a guess i would say it was maybe like 0405 um, You're way ahead of me on that one. Uh, yeah, so I I'm pretty sure that when I read it the first time, at least Crossroads of Twilight was out, maybe Knife of Dreams was as well. So I had a, you know, a lot of, <coughs> a lot of information, a lot of like context, uh, for the lore. Um, you know, like obviously I didn't read this. When Robert Jordan wrote it back in like '96 or whatever it was, was it that long ago? Yeah, and wow, because yeah. So when he wrote this, I believe it was like only um, that would have been like between books five and six then, or something close to that. Uh, I believe it was it was between Lord of Chaos and a Crown of Swords because Lord of Chaos came out in '94. Um, really?
0: That soon? Because didn't Eye of the World come out in '90? Holy crap! We yeah, didn't. no, he he cranked out. The I knew it was six. fast. I didn't think it was that fast. I thought it was like a yeah. year in
1: between, year and a half, not like no, no. less yeah, than was... a year. Holy shit! Yeah, he he was flying through it, and and uh, especially you know, and this a something like we can talk about more on like the the feature episodes, our standard episodes. Mm. Um, but uh, there there was some speculation that his health suffered because of his breakneck writing pace, and he oh uh, yeah, you know he kind of had to slow down. Um because he was not in good shape and then of course you know he was diagnosed with amyloidosis years after that but um mm. but yeah so uh i wanted to ask you you know, yeah, dude. on the on the topic of when and where we read this have you given any thoughts like where you would recommend a new reader reads the streaked shale Ghoul? Ooh, that's an interesting question
0: uh you know what like i you have to be able to approach this with the proper gravity that it deserves. You have to be able to appreciate what you're reading and just how uh, just how chock full of information that you don't ever get in the rest of the series. So I would, I mean, I would say you, you definitely want to have at least a few Wheel of Time books under your belt before you tackle this one, despite you know its 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 tiny tiny uh, size. Just because you know if you're starting this near the beginning you just don't have as much context you can't appreciate how cool it is to get these names latra Pose Dicum. you know to, yeah. to, to get all these all these nuggets of information like you just mentioned about the creation of the shwayden cal and how they had to create the uh, the access to at a very very far removed location because of what they can only describe were um resonances uncontrolled resonances something along those lines um, I just, you know, these, these little nuggets or information are only that cool if you have multiple books. I would say, you know what, read this at the end. Read this, read this at even at the very end of a memory of light or going into a memory of light, you know. <laughs> just, it's, it. you know, I think wh- where I read it was perfect because I already had, had, you know, at least a decade of experience in the Wheel of Time. Yeah. By the time I, I found this piece.
1: Yeah, like, I have a hard time placing it because part of me wants to say it would be great to read this between Ravens and Dragonmount. Because no the, way, shit. the way Ravens ends, right, is with Tam telling the story of the War of Power and then Egwene wondering what really happened back then. But that's anyway. what gives the Dragonmount prologue. Yeah, but but this yeah. would also like tie in. Except I do agree with you that if you read it there, you wouldn't have the the context necessary to really appreciate how cool some of these details are. You know, to uh, you, you wouldn't know what Sangreal and Torangreal are. Mm. You wouldn't. You know, it, yeah. It wouldn't be as it wouldn't be as uh, exciting a reading experience. So what I ended up kind of settling on as I was thinking about it, uh, you know, before you know, sitting down to record this with you, is I like the idea of reading this after uh, Winter's Heart. Okay, After we see the Choid and Call Oh used hey, that's for the cool first idea. time.
0: Well, I mean, it's not for the first time. It's when we see them used for a huge, huge purpose. I mean, we saw the Choid and Kelly used in book four when Rand is struggling with Asmodeon and
1: Ruidion. Well, we only saw one of them. Used. Yeah, we did. We only tri- we we saw use, one of them. We, yeah. we
0: had heard references, I mean, to the female mm-hmm. one as early as, mm-hmm. you know, the Eye of the World. Yep.
1: Um, uh, but yeah, so like it's... it's uh, It gives us kind of the, yeah. the necessary gravity to go into this uh, little fragment here and see the origins of these two Sangreal that were just used in one of the most pivotal moments in the entire series.
0: Yeah. You know, mm. it, it... Yeah. I would say you have to at least go into it having some context as to the, the personality of Luz Theron. So he has to be inside Rand's head, at least, by the time that hmm. you go ahead and read this. At least, I would say. To, to yeah. fully appreciate what it is you're reading. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, um, as far as, you know, details as to just really cool things we learned about the, the age of legends i keep forgetting how much time passed between the opening of the boar and the beginning of the war of shadow yeah because in, in my head canon it, it's just i keep placing the war like you know immediately after the boar was opened and like you know 10 to 20 years before the shadow truly took over we even have Luce theron at the beginning of the eye of the world saying 10 years betrayer ten years your master has, you know, racked this land, or however he said it. But, yeah. it was so much more than that. I mean, he's just talking about the climax of the war, I'm sure.
1: Uh, so, the actual war was ten years. But, there was a period decline. of yeah. decades of decline leading up to when war broke out, and the Shadow revealed itself. Um, yeah, and, it, and it's also funny to take that into context with the uh Roydian way back to Rong sequence that we get with Rand in the Shadow Rising and how we see the drilling of the boar.
0: Yeah, the shattering of the Kolam Don and the spreading of the yeah. f- night fire through the whole sky. I mean that was
1: Yeah, and then it's I think And like that was the, the moment they drilled the, the, the boar, wasn't sun. it? Yeah, it was.
0: Mm-hmm. So how how do you see that and not start a war for like fifty
1: to a hundred years? Like well, that's what nobody, I Nobody Nobody knew what happened. They just thought it was an accident because pretty much oh, everybody okay like a big old oopsie. most people died you know and then yeah, i figured <laughs> uh beidamon uh... who was yeah like, i was gonna say he Byron killed himself and, and then yes. and then mierin obviously turned to the shadow so she wasn't gonna reveal it i tell it. you a really stupid th- fan theory i
0: had when i was a teenager about beidamon i thought he might have slipped outside of the pattern and manifested and been corrupted and changed into the one (laughs) that we knew as the Dark One. I thought, Bytomon. That sounds like such a cool, cool titanic, immensely powerful name, I thought. Yeah.
1: Never know. But no, we never heard of him um, again. The... My kind of little fan theory, the first time I saw his name, you know, like on on the page when we find out about the the boar was that... um, uh, he was actually, like, also a dark friend. And that he did it on purpose. And that Were there dark became... friends before the opening of the board? Well, no, that he became, like, one of the Forsaken. Like Mierin. That he was he was in it with her. Oh. You know? But then, of course, we find out later on that was not at all the case. But Yeah, that yeah. dude was...
0: Boom! <laughs> he yeah, was no, much... like, he,
1: he kind of started realizing what he did and in his guilt... Uh, Offed himself.
0: Oh, he offed so. himself. I figured he. Yes, to...
1: he committed suicide.
0: Ah, yeah. well, I mean, that's got to weigh heavily upon one's conscience, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah,
1: I don't know. I I don't have a, a whole lot more to say other than I like the uh, the style of this as a history, and it makes me almost wanna like do some more of these smaller episodes covering sections of the Big White Book. Because that is mm. the other instance in the Wheel of Time where we get this historian's kind of perspective and in-world scholar writing about the deep history of the Wheel of Time. And, uh, you know, I think it would be fun to do segments on, like, you know, the Age of Legends and uh, the Covenant of the Ten Nations and the Trolloc Wars and then the Rise of Arthur Hawkwing and the War of the Second Dragon. You know, dig into those from that scholarly fan theory kind of perspective that we don't really uh, get reading the actual narrative of the books. So
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't really have a whole lot more to say either. I mean, like I, like we said, this is a very, very short piece. I just, you know, I had some some speculation uh, just about Latra Pose herself. Not even some mm-hmm. speculation, just like a couple just one thing I wanted to bitch about, but that was going into this episode before we actually discussed the potential ramifications of, you know, history having changed and them actually attempting Theron's plan in the first place. And now that I've given that some thought, I can see how that might have worked out. I am I might be taking this particular point back. But what I had written down was I was just like, come on. I mean, the, the women around whom many of the, or Latropose da, uh, Decum, the woman around whom many of the female Aes united in defiance of Theron's proposed plan with the SEALs, uh, how, how could they see that going well? I mean, two potential world-ending Saw Angriel, each of which could fall into the wrong hands? I mean, that sounds like a way better plan, you know? But, <laughs> mm, so, I guess it doesn't sound so stupid when I give it a step back.
1: Well, I mean, I think that plan would have been similarly catastrophic to uh, lose Theron's original plan, using both halves. Mm. Um, if they had used the Troiden Call to just erect a barrier and then try to figure out how to deal yeah, with the Dark One be in the meantime. Yeah, it was going to be a stalling tactic to begin like, with. The, the best case scenario is they figure out, well, we need to use the true power to do this, and then oh, yes, they don't have a way to do that. So, Considered in the it. meantime, the Dark One has fully ripped free of his prison behind the barrier, and it's just a matter of time before the Dark One figures out how to like get past the Troid on call, right? Hmm. Like that—that's not a, a permanent solution. Damn. So, and I, the last thing that I remember learning, uh, or
0: that I just just learned, I should say that I don't remember learning before. Hmm. Um, the 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 rise of this so-called peace faction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who wanted ne- you know, negotiations with the Forsaken.
1: You know, what I a like, terrible How idea. How see
0: that going anywhere <laughs> besides the complete annihilation of everything?
1: Like, I don't know. People it, during the cr- Age of Legends were a little weird. I got a crack out of that that little aside, you know, where all of the people they sent to treat with the Forsaken came back yes. and under compulsion. And
0: and they were just screwing up the, the, everyone else's yeah. plans, you know? It's like, well, Duh!
1: You know? It's like maybe, maybe don't do that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But I uh, yeah, uh, just yeah, it was awesome. This whole thing. So I have I have one last question then for you, Shoot. A, a speculation thing. All right. Um, La Tripose, mm-hmm. Uh do you think Egwene is the reborn soul? I mean, I had assumed that was the case. Okay. So I'm I'm not like I'm not entirely certain that I buy into that theory. Um, I can see. You know, solid reasoning for it. Um, it may also just be like you know a, uh, a thematic mirroring mm. that it doesn't necessarily have to be the same soul. Um, sure, it could just and, be. And one thing, one thing that I think uh, speaks perhaps against that is that uh, pose is described as like um, you know super super powerful in the age of legends and while egwin is strong she's by no means or or no with the one power she was supposed to be yeah literally with the one power i mean she has the the name you know the shadar nor and cutter of the shadow or yeah and
0: um but uh, did it she was the leader
1: strengthen the one power though well, that was the uh, the implication of her, that she was like, see, the leader of, of that, the that faction was... of all the females of significant strength. Um, hmm. It, you know, and it's possible, you know. It, but we do know that strength and the power is tied to uh, souls. You know, Rand yeah, and Luz Theron, that, for sure. you know, are, are both as strong as it's possible for a man. Um, but... Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, that that was just kind of a something that stood out to me, like that it, maybe is a, a point right. against her being Egwene reborn. Yeah,
0: it doesn't have. She doesn't have to be Egwene reborn because even I would say. Uh, I thought while you were saying that, you know, um, oh shit, what the hell was it? Sorry, dude. I I just lost my train of thought there. <laughs> Sorry. It'll 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 come back to me in the next. Uh, minute or two I'm sure but we're you know we are getting pretty close to the end of this episode mm-hmm. do you have any uh, final thoughts
1: other than saying I just continue cherishing this dive back into the wheel of time
0: hmm. uh, I just remembered what it was now oh, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to mention that it could simply be the fact that the pattern needed somebody very much like Latra Pose to actually test loose there and to test Randall Thor to make mm-hmm. sure he's going to do it differently this time to make them work together. It could simply be the fact that Egwene isn't necessarily the reborn soul of Latra Posey. She could just be someone the pattern spun up for the dragon to handle in a similar fashion and try to fix the mistakes that he made. Right. Right. Yeah. I agree. So yeah. And that's pretty much everything I have to say about the strike at shale Ghoul.
1: Cool. Yeah. Um and so so this is our uh, you know Patreon exclusive episode it is um, uh, at some point maybe we'll like you know make this public you know as a little teaser for our like Patreon content but uh, in the meantime you know if you're listening on, you know, on Patreon uh, feel free to comment on the post let us know your thoughts you know do you think Eguine is Latropose reborn do you think uh, do you agree with us that had both the men and the women gone with Lucerne's plan the world would have ended you know give us your thoughts. Definitely want to hear
0: them. All right.
1: And, uh, yeah, so this has been our third, uh, small bonus episode. Our third? I thought it was our second. No, we did, uh, the builders. Oh, the
0: builders. How did I forget about Polanski?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Damn. So, yeah, as always, you know, thank you so much for your support. Uh, this helps us keep this podcast running, helps us pay Danny and Pat. And, uh, who deserves Allows so us fun. to have a ton of fun doing this. So, we we'll catch Thanks you next away. time. Thank you, everybody.